Hello, and welcome to Impacting the Classroom from TeachStone. If you're new to the podcast, we talk about all the policies, research, and challenges that are impacting early childhood classrooms. I'm your host, Marnetta Larimer. Today, we are also launching a special bonus episode live from Interact. Stay tuned for other exciting updates and for ways that you can be involved in the Impacting the Classroom community. So, what's impacting the classroom? In the midst of a shortage of educators, plenty of people are still stepping into roles in early childhood education. We want to talk about why people are still excited to be educators and why people are joining the field. Joining me today is Deborah Covard, Early Childhood Education Instructor and Early Learning Lab Director at Cooper City High School with Broward County Public Schools. Hello, Deborah. Hi. (laughs) How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Anytime. So tell me and our guests um, a little bit about your time in education. Well, I um, started teaching in the year 2003, so it's been 20 years. I started out teaching kindergarten. I taught kindergarten for about 13 years, uh, went in and bumped up to second grade for a couple years and then took the plunge. And now I'm teaching high school. I'm teaching early childhood education at a high school level. I run an on-site preschool or, and teach my high schoolers how to be preschool teachers. They all get their industry certification here in the state of Florida, as well as their national child development associate credentials. So our program is a program where we're taking kids from high school and making sure that they're career ready when they leave and graduate. That's quite, a, that's quite a transition from kindergarten, like beautiful faces. And now you're in high school. <laughs> We've got the high schoolers and yes. the little all together. How do you, for, I, I have so many questions. How do you get them excited about working with you or do they already come excited and, and what excites them? I think that the great thing about our school just in general is, is that we provide a lot of pathways for the children. So, uh, or the, you know, the high school students. And so we have options for them. The great thing about my program in particular is that there is a hands-on component. So when they come into the classroom, it's not all like your typical classroom in a high school where you're lecturing, we're taking notes, we're taking tests. It's very, very hands-on whether you're with me or you're in our early learning lab. So that kind of entices them because when you're learning something and you're able to do something hands-on, you're able to see things happen right there in front of you, there's more buy-in. Our preschoolers that we have on campus are like our gems. They're so sweet. You can like the relationships that they build and things like that, I think that entices them. It's a little bit of a non-traditional classroom, but they get a lot out of it. That's beautiful. So what are some of the challenges that they come to you with around this type of work? I think realistically, the challenges just in general in any high school or school in general right now is getting them motivated getting them to come to school prepared, ready, willing to learn, wanting to be there and sustaining that. So my my program is a four-year program. You have to be dedicated to do that. 
I say four years, it's four classes. We double up a couple classes so that they're able to kind of finish and not necessarily drag it out from freshman year to senior year. But it is a process. Uh, so I have to sell it to them, you know? So, and you do that in a variety of ways. One of the ways is, is that they do leave with their industry certification. So that's desirable to them. They leave with skills, they're employable. But I also, again, the preschool sells it. And I think that as a teacher, you have to bring it. You have to bring the energy. You have to, you just have to be different. Oh, and so I think that for me personally, that's my strength. You have to also build relationships with the kids. They know, in, any child is going to know whether you like them or not. And kids will do things for you and they will show up and be there if they know that you like them and that you want them to be there. So I try to make sure that all my kids know that they feel it. And I think, you know, I think I do a good job at that. Wonderful. Yeah. That motivation, you know, high school is a sticky time, you know, coming into your own, right. You're, and I especially remember, you know, when you're a sophomore, it's just like, uh, two more years and just like, it's just one day at a time. Right. And so I imagine the challenge of motivating them to come and, you know, getting them excited about something, but um, what a great thing to leave with something, you know, a ready skill that can Absolutely. help them to get right in to the workforce. So how do you help them or encourage them? You know, why would an educator or a young person join this workforce, the educator workforce? I think that you can like see things happen. It's very rewarding to see little ones or any children kind of come in at a certain level or ability. And then by the end of the year, you see so much growth and you just know, like, I did that, you know, be it academically or behaviorally or just any of those things. I get that from our preschoolers. I get it out of my high schoolers too. I, you know, it doesn't matter. I always tell my children or my high schoolers, everything that I teach you here that we do with our little ones, it pertains to you too. So I try to make those connections, but that growth and just like you, you seeing that, I think, is motivating for them. Have you had a lot of success with them sticking to this field of work? Yes and no. So like, I would say not everybody goes and says, I'm going to be a teacher. Maybe they won't be a teacher, but they want to work with kids in some mm -hmm. capacity. And even those that say, well, I don't know if I want to work with kids. I mean, you're in high school, you're 15, 16 years old. Who knows that that is like their destiny? I know I jumped from like thought process to thought process, like where am I going to land when I was in high school? So I always say to them, you may not ever, you may not leave here thinking like I'm going to be a teacher, but you will work with children in some capacity, pretty much no matter what job you choose to be in. Even if you choose to just stay home, you, if you want to be a mom, you're going to be working. You're going to literally be with them 24 seven. So, but any job that you choose, you're going to work with them. So there's benefit there to taking this program. And my students, they go on, they, they're pediatricians, they're speech pathologists, they're teachers, they're, you know, pediatric nurses. 
they've been messaging me recently and like just kind of updating me on what they're doing. And then I have students who tell me, this is not for me. I am not going to be a teacher. I, you know, love everything that you represent and I love kids, but there's no way I can do this. And then guess what? I get the phone call or the email two years later. Oh, Ms. Hovard, can you please write me a recommendation letter? I'm, I changed my major. I'm going to be a teacher or <laughs> I'm going to be subbing while I'm in school so I can like get, they, you don't know. So I like the fact that this kind of like opens a door for them. And then when they go to college, you know, I always tell them, you're going to find your way. You're going to take a class and it's going to remind you of me. You're going to think <laughs> of me and you may change your mind. So I think, yeah, a lot of my kids, they leave and they go and work with kids in some capacity. They don't all become teachers, but they're all going to understand it. Hopefully they will be advocates and they'll, when they see things going on in our world, they're going to understand why these things are important and why we need to advocate for kids and for education. If, if that, if I only get that, then that to me is a win. Yeah, I agree. And thank you for the work that you're doing with those students and helping them to be great stewards, <laughs> right, of the resources and like the skills that you've given them with the children um, that they're supporting. Outside of your students, why else should someone join the educator workforce? What would you say I mean, to them? man, <laughs> I would... You know, we just need good people. Like, this is our future. I mean, that's the bottom line. We need people that are passionate about making the world a better place. And you start with our youth, if not for something so simple as that, you know, gosh, we need it. So <laughs> I think, I mean, I think about it. And even just like, not even with like within like teaching, you know, people think of education as like just academics. And there's right. so much more to it than that. These kids need mentors. They need to be around people who love them and care about them and can be a role model for them and can, you know, hopefully teach them something so that they can be smart and move on and make, you know, I mean, that's why we have to do it. And, you know, I think high school in general Sometimes they get a bad rap, high schoolers, you know, they, they, they just do. That's how it is. But I always <laughs> tell them, like, they are so amazing if you listen to them and you care about them and you talk to them. They're awesome. So we need to have people that are willing to take a chance and, like, just build a better future, really. Because at the end of the day, you know, that's what we have. We just, what are we going to do? Yeah, they're just asking for what anybody would ask for. Like, I'd want you to listen to me, right? Care about it's me. It's so simple. I right? mean, it's so simple, you know? And I, it's, it can be challenging, you know? But like anyone that you meet on the street, like anybody can be challenging. So yeah, like we just need to really think about that because as we know, the, the world is changing. And so we definitely need people that are passionate, that care about kids to make sure that things kind of get better because right now they're not so great yeah. all the time. 
you were saying a lot in that last statement. And one of the things that really stuck out, you know, that I want to remind the audience is, you know, yes, our children need those mentors and they need people like them in those classrooms, right? That represent them. They need to see the men in the classrooms, right? To let them know that (laughs) this is a space that I can occupy, right? And it's a non-traditional role and they need people of color in the classroom so that they, you know, feel understood and their communities are represented. So it's, yes, mentorship, but also, you know, making sure that our children have access to people that really can have a really large impact on their lives. Absolutely. And I think that also, you know, people come from different backgrounds, different things that are going on outside of the classroom, and they don't necessarily have people that they can talk to that are that they feel comfortable talking to. And it's not that they're coming from like a, like a bad home or anything like that, but you know, what you want to say to what you can say to your mother, for example, or can't say to your mother, you can perhaps hash it out with somebody else because you don't necessarily feel comfortable doing that. And um, sometimes they just need somebody to listen. Like I just think about some of the things that the kids talk to me about and they're not, It's not anything terrible, but your mom's going to give you different advice than somebody who is neutral in your life, right? So just having that person. I remember when I was younger, you know, there were things like I would never talk to my mother about, right? But like my best friend's mom, she knew it all. So it's just having that person to be able to do that. I think that's important. Yeah, most definitely. I think that would be a great trait for an educator in the classroom, right? To create this safe space where children could express themselves freely and know that there was no judgment (laughs) and they could just live their authentic selves in that space. That would be incredible. And a lot of that is happening, you know, as we speak. So question, do the parents of the preschoolers interact with the high school students, right? So you have the high school students and the preschoolers creating this like great chemistry, having these relationships. What about the parents of those high schoolers? Of the high school, the preschoolers, you mean, right? The high, the parents of the, the, yes, the parents of the preschoolers. So our parents, the first and foremost, our parents are amazing. Like I always tell my high schoolers, these parents are coming into a high school and dropping their babies, many of which like this is the first time, first experience at school, and they're entrusting their whole world in our care. And my kids take it very, very seriously. And there are opportunities. We do family events where the parents are involved and that my high schoolers actually like, they plan it, they put it all together and they do the whole thing. And the families are invited to come in. So that's like one example of that. We do, like, for example, in uh, December, we have a huge event for, it's our Winter Fest event. And my high schoolers have, you know, the task of, they have to create different, like, winter-themed, like, hands-on activities that are developmentally appropriate for our preschoolers. We have Santa come on our, on a fire truck. So he comes in, everybody's dressed accordingly. The high, the parents come, we do breakfast. It's like a big event. It's casual. 
not super structured, but my high schoolers are there. They're running the show. So they're talking to the parents. They get to play with the kids, share stories and build relationships with them. And then also before school and after school, I'm super fortunate that my high schoolers, they volunteer in our preschool. So a lot of my kids are there every single day on their own accord. And when the parents come in, they talk to them. They, some of them babysit for them. So there's a lot of interaction and an opportunity for interaction for them. And they just love it. So I do get a lot of really positive feedback. I, I love that. What is the age range, right? Preschool, because preschool, depending on where you are, could be different. What is the age range of the children? So the students in our preschool are ages three to five. Um, they're three by on or before September 1st of that year. So they have to be three by then. And, you know, some of them are five because of their birthday. So they'll go on to kindergarten at five years old. So most of them stay with us for two years. Oh, that's beautiful. So I loved hearing about like Winterfest and that kind of leads my me into like my next question. How do you help the high schoolers to understand the importance of family engagement? Oh, that's like a whole lesson. So we build that up in within our um, curriculum. So that's like a whole lesson and, you know, many lessons throughout the year. And then we infuse those family events within it. So we talk about it. We, you know, we have all kinds of lessons with that. And the cool thing is, is that, like I said, because it's a hands-on class, you know, we might be teaching a lesson on family engagement and how to get parents and families within, you know, to come and participate in events. And then their thing is, we're going to put on a family event. And so, and then we have, you know, that reflection piece with that. So, that's the cool thing is it's it everything happens very organically and they can see what the impact that that has you know and then we also do um, like I'll send home a family questionnaire and have the parents like read us on like what they think you know are our strengths our weaknesses things like that and then we reflect on that and then we talk about like okay like how can we improve in these areas? Because if they're seeing certain things, then maybe we need to show them that these are the things that we're doing and then we implement it. So you get to see it all in real time. So it's super cool. That is awesome. I asked you about some of the challenges that the high schoolers might have with this type of environment, right? Or work. But I didn't ask you (laughs) about any challenges you might have, right? So what challenges come up for you in managing both high schoolers and preschoolers at the same time? It's a, oh, it's a challenge. <laughs> but it's the kind of thing that like, it it's very, very busy. Um, I am super, super fortunate that I have two amazing job coaches of adults that work in the preschool. So the way that my classroom is set up, I have like my high school classroom and then we have a fully functioning preschool. It's attached with like a doorway and a observation window. So my job coaches, they're in the preschool the whole time coaching my high schoolers. They are like, without them, it would be difficult. I know that in other similar programs throughout the country, they don't necessarily have that. Everything is like in one room. And I just 
I, I give them a lot of kudos. Um, but the, but that being said, it's hard. <laughs> so just managing everything in general can be a challenge. My classroom is not set up in a way where I'm like the sage on the stage. I'm sitting there talking mm-hmm. and everybody's taking notes. Kids are organized in groups. So we set up teaching groups. While one group is in the preschool, I have another group. They're working on lesson planning for the next time they go into the lab. Then I have another group working on their portfolios and another group working on our next family event and all the things that go in with that. So I have to manage all of them, make sure that everything's getting done, make sure that the kids are going into the lab and they're prepared and they're ready to go, making sure that families are happy, parents are happy, the whole budgeting of the preschool, like I do all of that too. I manage it all. It's super challenging, but it's like a well-oiled machine. When things are working good, you know, are working well, they flow. But then anybody who teaches high school knows that things, you know, schedule changes like this. You know, so I might have everything set up and then, oh, we're testing. I need to pull these kids. I need to do this. I need to do that. The schedule is like extended. And so then I have to pivot. And the preschoolers, they know not, they don't know any better because their day just continues on. So thankfully, I do have my job coaches. But that part can be a challenge because the high school in general, you know, the whole high school runs as it needs to run. And, and we're just one little section of that. So we have to really be able to accommodate the the schedules and field trips, sports and things like that. Do your students eat in the classroom or do they join the high school students in the cafeteria, but in a like certain space? No. So, no. So our, I mean, some schools do that, but um, we have a very large school. So we have a, Our high school is 2,400 students. It's not the largest in our county, but I think it's a pretty large number of students. That would make me nervous, bringing them into the cafeteria. So (laughs) we eat in the the classroom. My high schoolers, that they go to lunch after we put our kids down for a nap. So thankfully, I have amazing administrators that, you know, take into account the fact that, like, I have to kind of accommodate Um, our preschoolers and we need the girls in there and boys to assist us. So they go in and they sit with the kids with their during snack and lunch. And they assist in that when they have their lunch, but then when the bell rings, they then go to lunch. So yeah, no, they're definitely not going to the cafeteria. (laughs) Yeah. Remind me to tell you a story one time. (laughs) Yeah. Wasn't the far walk. It's not like if it was like close, like right next to it, I would entertain the idea. Mm-hmm. But I like to keep also, you know, they're three to five year olds. They're not 16, 17, 18 year olds. And the kids that are in my program, they would, you know, they're appropriate. Um, kids that are not in my program, they might do things and say things that are appropriate for 16, 17, and 18-year-olds, but not appropriate for three to five-year-olds. So I try to make sure that it's a developmentally appropriate experience for everyone. Love it. Love it. Love it. So in that statement, there's a couple of things that stuck out to me. You know, first you mentioned this, you know, glass partition, 
right? And the first thing I thought about observation, right? Um, Because I went to a lab school as a um, a private lab school when I was um, first started high school. And I just remember, right? There was always people back there watching to see what we were doing or whatever. But you also said, well, oiled machines, which brings me in too. I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about class, right? So do you get observed with class and have you like taught the high schoolers anything about class and those interactions? I had it. So we don't get observed by class, which I would, you know, I think it's important. Like it's kind of been on my radar to have my high schoolers be, you know, exposed to that and learn about that. Um, But we don't. So we're a Broward County public school. Um, We're not like a private, we're, we're, licensed and insured and and we follow Broward County school um you know protocol so class doesn't they don't come in we get observed by my principal we get observed by me um and so yeah I like I would want them to have that exposure and learn about that however if we're just fall, we fall under a different yeah. Wonderful. Well, you can teach them without, right? Teach them without. Correct. And that's what I do. I always tell, you know, I say, I follow the rules. I, I follow because I'm teaching them industry, right? So like we have to follow what industry standards are. So I do do all those things, but I am, I do have like full autonomy over the program. So I like that <laughs> because I get to do a lot of stuff. Um, but I do think it's important. That is something that within our county, when I talk to uh, people that do what I do in, at other schools, we talk about that little piece that that's like that missing piece for us, because as much as people don't like to be observed, <laughs> you know, necessarily, it is a piece that we should have something where all of us are on the same page and we're all doing the same things, you know, so that we know what's expected and we can teach that with the kids to the Most kids. Definitely. And that well. prepares them. It's another tool for them, right? They know this tool. Absolutely. I have it. There are lots of places that are using class and they're ahead of the game in that regard in knowing about class. So. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely a missing piece for us. I think. For your high schoolers that are really excited and get really just amped, right? Like they are your partner in just this excitement, this love of ECE. What kind of career tracks like or what kind of other training do you recommend for them to elevate their love, their interest, their knowledge on their journey? So one of the parts of my program is for the state of Florida, we have you know, all our industry certifications so that they leave being able to have, they, they have all their their requirements to be able to be a preschool teacher. I provide any extras that the state provides, you know, for us to be able to do, we allow them to do that as well. And I facilitate that for them. I also, again, we do our national CDA. So they leave with their credential and proud to say that 100% of my students who complete all their requirements, who come in and they do everything that they're supposed to do, have attained their CDA since I started. So I'm super proud of that. And I also like those that are hungry, like I I find a way for them. You know, I look up resources, I 
tell them like, you know, we look at colleges or like local, you know, places for them to be able to advance in their career. I partner with a lot of the preschools in the area. I also partner with Broward County schools. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I have a few students who are going to stay local. They're going to go to the college here close by and I'm, you know, working with them to get a job and make sure that they have those credentials so that they can be, you know, start out as a teacher assistant and like move on from there. So those that are hungry, they know where to go. They know that I will sit there and we'll map it out. I've sat there with them and helped them map out the courses that they need to take. And um, let's take a look at what's being offered and, and get you on a path. And I would say like, I'm not your guidance counselor, <laughs> but if I was your mom and I was looking at this, then this is like where the path that I would take. But like, then I would send them to the right person because I always am like fearful of that. I don't want somebody saying like, oh, you told my daughter or you told me or whatever. This is what I would do. But I give them those resources and anything that's free, like sometimes the state will offer like free courses, literacy courses, trauma-informed care, you know, any of those things. I always offer that to my students. I love that. And that kind of leans into the question I was going to ask. It's almost like you're reading my mind, right? So aside from your students, you know, you've been in this field, you know, providing this like excellent work and just pouring your heart into it. Like, so in a mentorship type of fashion, what training would you recommend for a new educator to take advantage of? Or, you know, where would they start? What would your recommendation be? If you're like right off the bat, I would always say, you know, go get your degree. I would start with that. You know, what are you passionate about? Early childhood, go further your education. Start there. From there, you just have to find your passion. So like, I'm like big into literacy. Get your reading endorsement. Take classes in that. Specialize in that. Curriculum. There's so many things that you can do within the field of education to like, go on from there. There's a lot out there and you don't necessarily have to be a teacher. You can be a guidance counselor. You can, I mean, you don't, you don't even have to work in a school, but you can be an advocate. Okay. So you shared a lot with me and the listeners, and I am just really curious. Like I'd really like to know about a personal story about a high school student or a specific interaction that has just truly like warmed your heart and just made this, like all the challenges worth it, right? Like what is your story? God, I have so many. I mean, really, I, going and moving from elementary to, I love elementary students. I love kindergarten. I mean, that is so like my passion, right? There's, I, there's countless working with kids. Like every year it's something different. So, you know, I've had, you know, just off the top of my head, I've had kids that come in, they're hard high schoolers. They're just hard. And I had one girl who I was like riding her, like, you gotta get your work done, you know, hello, like whatever. And she just like one time looked at me and she goes, I know you don't like me. And I was like, what do you like that is like the the one thing. And I was like, wait a minute, pause. Because one of the things that I learned when going from elementary to high school and just interacting with high school students is that they take things completely different. They they receive things in a different way. So me being 
persistent and kind of like, you know, riding her a little bit. She was like, this teacher doesn't like me. And I was like, oh my God, that's the furthest thing from my mind. And she was tough, not bad or anything like that, but you know, like sometimes they just don't want to do their work and I want them to be successful. Like I don't want to fail kids because you're not doing your work. And that just made me pivot. Like there, she, this young lady is receiving my energy in a way that makes her think that she doesn't like me, that I don't like her. And it was so far from the truth. So I had to change the way I spoke to her. And so not the way that I spoke to her, but just how I engaged with her. And so from then I was like, oh, now you're my project. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you just, you said the words and I wrangled her in, you know, she was tough. It was hard for her to finish and pass the tests that, you know, for the state. Cause that's like one of my things is like, you need, you're going to leave with these industry certs. And I studied with her. I would work with her after school. I had her, you know, create, like just get her stuff together. And I, if I was like, if I could drag her across the stage with that industry cert, I'm going to do it. And I did. And at the end of the year, like, you know, they like, I ring that she just loved me and that she knew that I cared about, about her. I invested that extra time. I've had kids that tell me I hate kids. Uh, there is no way I'm going to be a teacher. I like the kids in the preschool. They would say, I love the kids in the preschool, but when I'm out in public, God, they annoy me. And then what, as this is like, you know, cause I, I have them for multiple years by senior year. They're like, I think I want to be a teacher. I'm like, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I, you came in here saying you didn't like kids and look at you. And they're like, I know. And those are the kids that like you remember that. I mean, I just, I remember them all. They all have like something about them. It's like the, they keep me up at night, you know? So I think about them a lot. I've had some kids that have really tough life, lives, lives, sorry things going on in their life that like are so impactful and like just you can just see it that getting through the day is difficult and um I think about one in particular I just that impact that you have on them and just trying to get them to come to class and get through the day and just get through the school year and get you know they want they come to my class they don't go to others you know and those are the kids that one in particular that, um, yeah, she wants to go and be a teacher. She wants to make an impact. A lot of the kids tell me, I, I want to be a teacher, but I want to do like what you do. I want to work with the little ones, but also the high school students. They see that there's value there, you know? So, I mean, I couldn't even just pick one. There's so many. No, it, was, it was worth it. I appreciate all that. I do have a follow-up question. When you were talking about your first story with the the girl, you know, who said that you you thought you didn't like her. What from that experience shifted how you, you know, approached or interacted with students moving forward, right? Like, well, I always, you know, it's like kids, they have their own interpretation of things. I, I always use like texting as an example. They look at like, we, we use like an app. It's called Remind. Yeah. I use that to like communicate with them. 
And they're always like, Miss Covert, you are so aggressive. Like you put periods and it's like, whatever. They like interpret things so differently. And so I always try to give them a disclaimer. You know, I'm like, listen, when I talk to you, when I text and I email, like sometimes I'm just matter of fact, read the text, read the email, listen to my, the, what I'm telling you in like a happy voice. <laughs> like, don't, I'm not going to speak to you. If I'm angry, you're going to know I'm angry. But if it's an everyday conversation, take it as like me just giving you information. And sometimes they'll, you know, they tell me, I was like, and if, if you're thinking that I'm like a certain way, just ask me because I want to make sure that you're clear with the tone, what my motives are and things like that. I just disclaimer it yeah. because tell them like, I'm old. I put periods at the end of my sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I can't just send you a message and not put a period, even though for you, that's like, it's final. Like, mm. if I'm like, you know, whatever, that's not how it is. It's me saying, don't forget to turn in your homework. Not don't forget to turn yeah. in your homework or something <laughs> simple. So, like, so like, you're trying to be I tell them and you're going to make mistakes too. So I say, you know, there, the, the nature of my class, like we're working with live human beings. So I take it very seriously. It's not, I don't know, pottery, where if you break a pot, it's broken, it's a pot, you'll make another one. Like we can't make new yes. ones, you know? So I'm going to be a certain way when it comes to like the safety of our kids and like how we interact with them. So if I speak to you in a way, if I don't like something or if I, you know, critique something, understand where it's coming from. And that after it's done, we're like moving on. Like I'm not mad for the day. I don't hold grudges. You know, they kind of like internalize that. So I try to like, just remind them because I'm aware of it. And I can tell by their body language instantly. Like if I, you know, I don't want to use the word scold, but if we'll make, you know, who did this? And then they're like, oh, it's me. now she's mad at me for the day. And I'm like, Literally, it's not that deep. I'm not mad at you for the rest of the day. I just need you to fix it. And then we're moving on. So you're just really um, proactive so with the intent of your messaging. So that way they're prepared, right? And they don't take it. Yeah, like just in general. And they get used to it. They always tell me like in the beginning, their first like encounter with me, like the first, you know, few months, they're like, oof, I'm high energy. I uh, am direct, you know? And so they're usually like, oh, goodness. And then you know, once they know me, they're like, oh, it's just, she'll be all right. You know? <laughs> you are absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was great hearing why many high schoolers are choosing to join early education as a career path, but also how you've been mentoring them in their journeys and hearing how you're inspiring the next generation of teachers and leaders. Listeners, you can find today's episodes and transcript on our website, teachstone.com slash podcast. Stay tuned for our bonus episode live from Miami at Interact Class Summit. And as always, behind great leading and teaching are powerful interactions. Let's build that culture together. Thanks again, Deborah. Thank you.